breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Rod Demery, good morning, Rod. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, good morning. How are you, buddy? Uh, we're we're doing fantastic. Uh, we're still above ground, unlike fifteen other people in Shreveport. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. I've, I've uh, heard some some things. Rod, you you were a homicide detective for many years in Shreveport. You're now at uh, Grambling. You do some work, I think, for the DA's office too. What you know? We've we've talked about this. We've prayed about it. We've had rallies. We've had marches. Are there some new things being done in law enforcement that Shreveport should try? Shreveport should look at. You've studied all of it. Yeah, you know, Aaron. I'm, I know there there are a lot of advancements in in, in law enforcement and and policing. But I, I think the the old tried and true things are the ones that work. I mean, it's 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 a reality that you have to have some sort of deterrent. You have to have um, community cooperation and trust. Um, obviously, you know, violent crime is 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 not desired. But when you don't, um, and and I'm certainly not speaking about Shreveport specifically, but when you don't have a a high closure rate, and that's happening uh, around the country. Violent crimes just go unsolved or unanswered, then people kind of feel, I guess, I guess it's twofold. People feel like they need to protect themselves and sort of take the law in their own hands, either for retribution or, or some sense of protecting themselves, or uh, just kind of feeling like they can get away with it. Uh, um, once you have those two two things happening, you have a problem. Um, ironically, when I worked for Shreveport, I had a, a lieutenant. I don't know if anyone remembers uh, Jimmy Muller. He actually retired as a captain. But uh, he told me a long time ago, he said, Rod, when you have a community that fears crime and criminals more than they respect the police, you have a problem. Now, I'm not saying people don't respect the police in Shreveport because I honestly don't know. I haven't been there in a, in a very long time. But those those things definitely contribute to, to rises and in, in, literal spikes in crime. Rod, I saw we're talking with Rod Demery. I, I saw a special talking about the cesspool that Chicago has become. Their uh, city prosecutor, I think her name was Kim Fox, uh, funded by Soros. They don't prosecute, and those that are arrested are are back on the street within 24 hours. And I, you talk about there's no deterrent to crime. When are we going to go back to being tough on crime there, yeah, people I, I aren't think, afraid of any any retribution at all from law enforcement yeah that's exactly right and once you have a, a situation like that where people in chicago where people just don't fear that i mean in fact there, there's really nothing to fear you can go out and shoot someone you can you can do whatever it is you want to do and there's no consequence uh, once you have that dynamic in place you've got a, a heck of a problem um, the only thing that stops people or controls people if they can't control themselves is the, the, the thought of them being prosecuted, arrested, thrown away for the rest of their lives, and it kind of deters people, even the worst. But when you have people that just feel like nothing's going to happen, I mean, it's a, it's a huge problem. There's, there's no, no accountability. There's, there's no sense of, uh, you know, this person is going to be arrested and go to jail. And that can be for a couple of things. It could be because the police can't catch the, 
person or they catch the wrong person. And you start to erode public trust because people start to believe then that they're not taken care of. Um, and that that's a, another problem in itself. Rod, let me ask you, because I, I struggle with this a lot, and I know you probably do too. The same people who are, are witnessing and, and having crime in their neighborhoods uh, in the in the high crime areas are also the same people who supported the Justice Reinvestment Act, which let criminals out of jail, which said we shouldn't p- throw people in jail and throw away the key. I don't understand how those two can can mesh. And I, and I struggle with that a lot. Um, have we gone too far in being soft on criminals? Yeah, you know, I. I... I listened to some of the some of the conversations, especially on the uh, on the national news, and I and, and I'm actually floored by it. I, you know, everyone is okay with being soft on crime until they become a crime victim. Yeah. You know, it unfortunately, if if your mother, your sister, your child is murdered, then you want something done, and and you know you want the system to work for you. If it's someone else that's not you or someone you love or someone you care, then you know it, there's there's a lot of sympathy or empathy for people who commit crimes. Uh, we need to stay consistent across the board. I don't know where this whole new line of thinking came from, but it's absolutely ridiculous if you ask me. Um, people commit crimes that need to be punished for those crimes, um, especially violent crimes. That you know, I get the, the the crimes that involve drugs or whatever, because honestly, I think that's a, um, a societal or, or even a metaphor policy uh, issue. But when you when you start hurting people and killing people. Or firing shots where you terrorize people, there has to be something swift and, and certain that you're going to pay for that. But you know, as, as a, I mean, you're still working in the in the business. There is still a problem in getting police officers. Folks don't want to come to your profession anymore, uh, for a, a lack of trust by the community, a lot of other reasons. What's the answer to that part of the problem? Well, I think there has to be some accountability in government. Uh, people that run cities, you know, whether it be mayors, governors, or whomever those people are, when you have that chaos going on, and you have such a, a, a disruption where people just don't trust themselves, um, you're always going to have that problem. People are going to shy away from police work because they don't feel like they're going to make any any difference uh, as they used to. People were going to police work because they could make a difference. Or people don't trust um, the, the system as well. And, you know, we hear, hear these horror stories about police officers that, that get prosecuted and go to prison or, or end up on someone's social media account as being called, a, you know, abusive or racist or, or whatever the case may be because that's a trend. Now, that's not saying that people that are, are messing up in police work shouldn't be dealt with because they absolutely think so, but I think it goes a little far. I think the, the go-to answer for everyone when there's a problem um, is, you know, they're either racist, abusive, or, or whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. I, I think that turns a lot of people off. And and lastly, before we have to let you go, what would your advice be to Chief Wayne Smith, the mayor of Shreveport, um, today as they start to see, you know, violent crime spiking again? What do you say to them? What what should they go and, and be doing right now? I think he should just uh, focus and, and hold the line. I mean, I, I know I actually know Chief Smith. I think he's a great person. I think he needs to stay focused and stay the line. I mean, it's a uh, or toe the line. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, uh, this job has never been easy for anyone. And obviously, my thoughts and prayers are, are not only with him but everybody in Shreveport because I I just can't stand to see that sort of uh, turmoil and stress on on a city. So. You know, I, I and, and the men in Shreveport Police Department. I mean, those are those are my people. I grew up in the police department. Just, just hang tight. You know, keep working. Three.
1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. I hey, we can say the Chinese virus now. Yeah, it looks like they've confirmed it. Uh yeah, two different two different uh, uh organizations in the Biden administration have now confirmed that corona came from the Wuhan lab. Mm. Something, let's see, who's been saying that the whole yeah. time? Uh, well, actually, several, but Trump yeah. said the Chinese virus, and he got called out on it. Oh, absolutely. Senator Tom Cotton said uh, from Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's obvious this came from the Chinese Wuhan lab. <sighs> so we can say Chinese virus again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it is it done? Are we done with it? Are we? Uh, oh, I doubt it. Never, right? Never going to be done with covid it's always and, and here the, and, well the thing is nothing we were told was true i mean think about that nothing we were yeah. told was true mask up well they were ineffective no evidence that masks helped whatsoever mm. <laughs> and yet you still see people driving around in their car by that, themselves with I, a mask on the masks driving the car really i get a <laughs> kick out of it i really do i, I saw a- i saw a lady one time erin back during the the height of it in her car by herself with a mask and the and the in the face shield that they wear mm. you know coming down over i love when you're in a convertible and you have a mask on that's the, the the most hilarious thing to me of all you know i was i was oh. on my way to uh to through the neighborhood and and i'll never forget a lady walking down her driveway and to get her paper still had her robe on walking and, and had a mask on to i mean people own. drank the yeah. kool-aid yeah they did they really but, did but going back uh, they don't they weren't effective i, I mean no no studies show masks helped and i and i'll People will argue because and you they know, drank the Kool-Aid. Mike, I wore my I wore my mask pretty religiously. And if I was going out in public, I, I was wearing. I, I got COVID three times. Okay, so how well did my help, mask work? It's to help others from getting it if you have it. Yeah, I was. That's what I was doing. I'm like, well, I don't. Mm. If I have it, I don't want to pass it on. So I'll wear my mask. Uh, maybe I prevented one or two people from getting it. I don't know, but I, I got it three times. Ruben got we it shut down time. schools. Look at what happened to our kids. We shut down schools. My teacher friends say we're never going to recover from th- this group that's There's going a, through school now. What, I agree with that. We're just not going to recover. Those kids spent two years at home, essentially. Now, the, and, and the problem is the damage that Dr. Fauci has done, because there may come a time when something serious does come up. I don't know if you remember what 10 10 years or so Ebola mm-hmm. when Ebola was going Absolutely. rampaging through Africa mm-hmm. and and missionaries that were over there uh doctors that were there that you know were affected and I mean Ebola is something that's very serious You bet And and COVID if something is happens, too. don't get us wrong I mean nobody yeah. It's COVID not killed Ebola. A, it killed a lot of people but I mean truth be known Right. Okay. Over a million people were killed in the U.S. So, how many we, die of the flu every year? I don't know. I have to check. <laughs> but it's serious. You can't minimize I'm, it. Well, I mean, there's people listening who lost loved ones. I understand, but was our response proportionate? That's the huge debate. Yeah, exactly. Did we go too far? Did we take it too crazy? Did so we? I, I I didn't even mean to jump off on that diving board this morning. <laughs> I just. 
I saw reports about, you know, and, and again, the, the biggest issue for me is how much damage Dr. Fauci has done, because who trusts the federal government now? Do you trust the CDC? Oh, no. And, and I, and Do you I, trust again, my, anything they believe? My I trust mean, wasn't good before, but, I mean, that just t- trashed it. I mean, completely trashed it. So I, you and, know. and you're you're more moderate than I am. Oh, absolutely. And, and you don't trust the CDC now. No, no. I, you know, I'm going to have to talk to people that I know and love that are medically inclined before I would trust anything the CDC says. My wife's side of the family is, is all medical. You know, my brother-in-law is a cardiologist. I, I I trust him. Right. The and the vaccines that were untested, unproven, that we were forced to take, have caused you could arguably more damage. People have heart issues now that mm-hmm. have taken the vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just, it's just. Anyway, I, mm-hmm. I I didn't even mean to like I say <laughs> jump off into this. I know, but um, it, it's it's a little vindication, a little vindication. Yeah, thank you, China. That uh, yeah, Thanks all these people COVID. that were called tinfoil hat wearing, mm-hmm. you know, conspiracy conspiracy theorists theorists mm-hmm. um, are now going. Well, see, not so much. Right, definitely. Anyway. Steve Waggis back uh, is uh, talking about the state budget. He spoke with us yesterday morning, and you'll hear that conversation coming up at 640 with Mike and McCarty. 1017. Seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty. We have gone politically correct. Wait, wait. So far over the edge now. We. Uh, we're the world about is okay. The world. Let's <laughs> go. Say, hold on there, sister. I am watching a poker tournament on TV. Currently, <laughs> oh, Lord. while I'm on my medical leave, and I see one of the world's most famous poker players. Doesn't matter. You won't know the name. I Most don't know. You're right. Know the name. I won't know. So it doesn't matter. Unless it's Steve McQueen. No, it's not Steve. And uh, or Fats Domino or Minnesota Fats or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, one of them, I'm not sure. Anyway, he goes, he, they're talking about, you know, their personal lives or whatever. And he said, um, you know, my wife likes to do this and that. And then he goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. You can't say my wife anymore. Because that's not politically correct. Because that sounds like you own your wife. So you have to say my partner. What's the difference? You can no longer say my wife. Because that signifies that she's your property. Isn't isn't she? (laughs) Mike! Did he just say that out loud? Jeez. Joke. Uh, Wow. Hey, uh, uh, Come to my house and and see watch me say and watch me say fix me a sandwich and see what happens. <laughs> I'll be wearing something that's in the room handy to be thrown. Yeah, you will be. You'll have a sandwich on your head. So so the so the bikers were right this whole time. So I'm just gonna switch to calling my wife my old lady. My old lady. <laughs> the old, okay. The, the, old, the old lady. The old Not lady. My old lady. Not my. The you old, can't say my. The old lady. The old lady. So, yeah, so I'm gonna be wearing a lamp when I get home. Too. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Here's a tripwire in the door on your way in. We have completely lost control. I just don't understand it. Uh, it's, I can't it's say my absurd. wife. And, and, and I keep thinking the pendulum is going to swing, Aaron, uh, but we haven't hit that. We haven't hit the end of the arc yet. No. Nope. Because it's still getting nope. nuttier. Yeah. Your spousal uh, unit. What? I don't know. <laughs> Old lady sounds good. Bring it on. <laughs> Stephen Wagesback, president of the uh, Louisiana Association of Business and Industry, talks with us next on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. He spoke. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Okay, first of all, if it's John Bell Edwards, then I'm. Uh, you know, but yeah, we had we had a thing last few years ago at the hayride, and, and I wasn't disrespectful, but everybody's like oh, the governor, oh, the governor. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not walking across right. the room to shake his hand. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. Stephen, anyway, Stephen Wagesback, Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. Thanks for jumping on with us this morning. Um, getting ready for the spring legislative session in about a month. And the governor's budget, I'm going to really pib about this, $45.7 billion. When he took office, it was under $30 billion. Where is all this money freaking going? Well, first of all, Aaron, if there's any question as to whether you're one of my favorites, let it all be settled now because um, jam-packed morning, just finished carpool, about to get on Baton Rouge Radio. You text and said, can you get on? I said, yes, ma'am, because <laughs> uh, welcome back. Hope you're feeling good. I am. Hope you're I... back in a, you know, you got that robotic arm going. Let's roll, baby. I yeah. like it. Yeah, we're good. We're, how is this budget 50% higher in eight years? And, and we've lost people. I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about it. Well, it's because when you raise taxes and the federal government carpet bombs cash on states all across the country, this is what you have. You have money everywhere, surpluses everywhere, but it's all a mirage. It's all a temporary moment in time. And so, look, the taxes were raised at the beginning of this governor's administration. We all remember this. It all, uh, a big chunk of it expires in 2025, where that temporary sales tax comes up, and that's about $500 million there that came in. But there's a host of other taxes that were raised um, early on in that session that now are also coming to roost. That's why you're seeing some of these business collections come in higher and, the, and some of these other uh, income collections coming in higher. But also, don't forget, all that free money that was pumped out of D.C., you know, that some went directly to the states, and a lot went to, you know, people and businesses and all who went out and made big purchases and, and report that. So, look, collections are up, but it's a mirage. We know that in a couple of years the federal spigot's going to get turned off. All that fake money's going to go away. We know that the temporary taxes are coming for renewal. We also know that there's some uh, infrastructure investments in the state that are dedicating existing vehicle sales tax fees. So lo and behold, it's this. Whatever they spend this year is going to make 2025 that much more challenging. Because mm -hmm. in 2025, we know three things are definitely going to happen. The 0.45 temporary sales tax is going to come up for renewal, extinction, change, or whatever. That's about $450 million. The vehicle registration uh, fees uh, dedication, that's going to be about another 300 plus million. And hopefully, you're going to have the federal fake money spigot turned off and clogged up in D.C., so that's not there anymore. So you're going to have a big pullout of this mirage money in 25. So the name of the game this year is don't spend money you're not going to have tomorrow. Well, that should, that should be a, a, a mantra anyway. But what about the federal government, Steve? And, uh, you know, carpet, I love that phrase, carpet bombing billions to, like, Ukraine. 
That's right. Well, you know, it's a misplaced priorities. Um, you know, you're spending money elsewhere, and you're making that the top priority. And look, I'm all for you know for protecting and promoting freedom around the globe. I'm all in for that. You know, I'm also in for protecting the border, and I'm also in for protecting an American economy, and I'm also all in for uh, having domestic energy production. So we don't have to depend on foreign hostile countries. Instead, we can create jobs and investment and, you know, safe, affordable energy here at home. So it's just misplaced investments. But, look, that's not shocking anyone listening on this radio right now. D.C. is fundamentally broken. They don't, they don't get it. They don't know what the true issues are in the country right now. I travel around the state all the time talking to small businesses, and what they say nonstop is it's so hard to find people who, are, are, who want to come in and work who want to come in and and, ha- and prepared to work. And prepared to work doesn't mean a big fancy four-year degree. Prepared to work means you can read, you can write, you can sell drugs, you can have soft skills, you can work as a team, you have some technical training. And the, one of the challenges is we have so much of our workforce and young population who the last couple of years, they were sent home by pandemic shutdowns, um, and they were able to access all of this carpet bomb cash and the work ethic is broken. And so we've got to rebuild it from scratch. We've got me, to go in and remind folks the value of hard work, get them back in the workforce, get our economy moving again. Let me ask you this, Stephen. Stephen Waggis back with Lobby. The governor's proposing a pay raise for teachers, 3000 1000 for support staff, a pay raise for firefighters, police, sheriff's deputies. And who wouldn't uh, want that? We love that. That sounds great. But we can pay for it maybe this year. But we're creating yet another fiscal cliff for down the road do you urge lawmakers to take a close look at this it's hard to make that decision to not give teachers a raise in an election year i don't think it's an either or decision i do think if you look at two frontline workers we have right now teachers and police officers we have a morale problem there and we do have an investment problem there so we have to make sure that those two frontline uh officers right now that they are getting uh, a, a salary compensation so I'm, I'm all for it but i'm not for is you're telling me in a $45 billion budget you can't find other efficiencies or reductions or savings to help pay for that? You're telling me that there's no other way except to use dollars you know aren't going to be here in two years to do that? I refuse to believe that. And where so where to, can we cut? Have you identified some areas where we could cut? Some wasteful well, spending? Well, we know right now, you know, look, I, I know there's, there's a lot of different buckets you can look at, but I tell you one thing we know right now is the enhanced federal Medicaid that was put in place over the last several years to help the pandemic shutdowns that's rolling off right now. And state governors are being tasked all across the country of, okay, it's time to go through those roles again, find um, those that were in on the enhanced Medicaid, roll those back because the feds aren't going to pay that do- those dollars anymore at some point. And so states are being asked to do that. And I think this, uh, the governor put like almost, I don't know, $160 million into the budget, if I remember right, um, to, to, to do that, to go and search those roles and do that. I, I don't know if it takes that much to do that, and I, I, I kind of think you could do that more efficiently. It seems like you should be able to just go back and look at where folks, what folks were on five, three or four years ago, which folks were on now, and do a scrub on those folks. So I bet a big chunk of those savings are better spent, I mean dollars are better spent going towards raises. So that's the first place I'd start right there. One more thing. We've got to let you go. I know you're busy. Um, there's talk about an increased gas tax again because of our backlog of $15 billion worth of projects. Would you see this governor and the, the DOTD secretary, and they're both on the way out the door, proposing that and pushing hard for that? And do, does that have any chance of passing? I don't hear any momentum of that. I don't hear any, anyone pushing that. I would be very surprised 
if that get, even gets out of a starting gate in this session. The truth is that uh, a couple of years ago, the legislature dedicated existing vehicle sales tax fees to infrastructure, and it starts this year, and it goes in. I mean, it starts next year, and it goes into effect the following year in full bore. So, investments coming from existing dollars. I think now the name of the game is to make sure that those dollars are spent on priority areas to make sure we do things like finish the 49 gap we have up there and other priority areas in the southern part of the state. We should be using existing dollars more appropriately. I don't see an appetite to raise any taxes this session, especially uh, one on, on gas tax right now. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. What is was no mic on when I said something I shouldn't have said just now? <laughs> I was I'm, wondering what that look was. I'm realizing Ruben is turning it on and off. No, so. no I didn't I, hear it. So <laughs> I pay very close attention to your off-air comments. <laughs> Thank you, Rube. <laughs> He's also got the dump button handy too. Yeah, you got to show me where that is too when you take your. Oh, now, now it's now it's all off. it's all lit up and everything. So oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's got a sticker on it. You, you'll be able to see it. It okay. says Aaron button on it. Yes, yeah, right there button. on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, well, we talked earlier about the Chinese virus. Um, there was a comment made yesterday that Aaron, I, was, I, was, I heard a report. Uh, a Biden official talking about Ukraine. And of course, they're trying to justify. Now, Janet Yellen is over there and just wrote a check for like $1.2 billion, which is they're promising another $10 billion to Ukraine. Mm. Uh, excuse me, uh, people in Ohio, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, mm. no. Don't, don't digress. Um, so, so he's talking about you know foreign powers, uh, 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 you know, being aggressive to other countries, and we can't let them think. And I'm quoting: "Might makes right," and they don't respect and sovereign borders, and sovereign borders don't matter. Aaron almost drove off the road. Really? Now you're going to talk about protecting a sovereign border? Right. Right. Uh, hello. <laughs> we have a, we have our own. We just opened ours up. Come on in. Yeah. Get free crap. Get Mm. free everything. I know. Healthcare, phones, home, groceries. Education. Everything. Get it all. Come on in. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, American citizens who've been here for years paying taxes? No, 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 no. You don't get a damn thing. Mm Mm-mm. No. No. Protecting our sovereign borders don't matter. (laughs) No, they don't matter to you, buddy. (laughs) Did you really say that? Are you making that up? No, 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 no. I wrote it down. (sighs) Foreign powers think might makes right, and sovereign borders don't matter. Holy cow. Are you kidding me? What's next? So, (laughs) anyway. (sighs) Deep breath. Deep breath. Oh, man, it's crazy. It is crazy. Coming up just after the 7 o'clock news, State Representative Thomas Presley going to join us. Uh, The governor is apparently proposing to raise our minimum wage. Again, he's done it every year. Can they shoot him down one more time? We'll see. I I certainly hope so. (laughs) We'll find out next. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 
1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Uh, Louisiana State Representative Thomas Presley joining us. Thomas, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. How are you? We are wonderful. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Uh, big proposal, uh, once again, is annual Governor Bill Edwards <laughs> bringing out, let's raise the minimum wage. I think we're at, what, seven, seven and a quarter? Isn't that the national minimum yeah. wage? Mm-hmm. That's, that's correct. Louisiana currently follows and tracks the national minimum wage. And, you know, I mean, that, that's true on, on what the government minimum wage. In reality, uh, you know, I've talked to, to multiple business owners in my district, uh, and their average minimum wage is starting around $12 an hour. Um, you know, it, the, the free market works. The free market is working. Uh, and I don't think we need to touch it. There are at least two bills. One would bump it right directly to $15 an hour. One, I think, is a gradual increase. Um, y'all have voted this down every year, I think, that the gov- this governor's been in office. He's going to try again his last term. Does he have a chance? I, I, I really don't think he does. Um, we'll see what, what, what the uh, testimony is when he comes to the table during a committee meeting. Um, but but I would be surprised if it were able to get out of committee. Um, you know, I, I think the, the vast majority of our legislators are free market thinkers that believe um, that, that minimum wage jobs are, are the first jobs that many people have. It's an entry-level position. It's not intended to be a long-term position. Uh, and, and one that, again, the free market's showing that, that the minimum wage that the government's imposed uh, is, is not hiring folks anyway. So the, the, the business owners are, are taking the initiative and raising those wages um, to, to start with. Tommy, I want you to repeat what you just said about minimum wage being an entry-level position. Absolutely. And, and it, minimum wage is an entry-level position. It's supposed to be. Um, it's, a, it's a starting spot for folks to, um, to get their foot in the door with a job. Um, and, and, you know... It, it, it's not intended to be a long-term career uh, uh, amount of money that you're you're making. It was never intended. To be moving up and moving on. That's see, that's what I said, and I got lambasted. The minimum wage job is not intended to be a job to support a family of four or six. You know, it, it's it's to get you into the job market. But then, if you want more money, then you make yourself more valuable through education or through, you know, experience or, or job training programs. You don't No s- doubt. And I think, I mean, when Stephen Wagesback was on yesterday, he talked about the need for folks to, to know how to read and write and be job, uh, job ready. Um, and and that, that also includes showing up on time, uh, doing the task as assigned. And I think that that's, you know, that's important as well. And that's something that, that, you know, Louisiana has focused on improving our, our technical colleges um, and community college programs uh, to allow people the skill set needed to be able to move on uh, from those those entry-level jobs to higher-paying wage jobs um, and uh, hopefully build our economy uh, from those. There, there are those that will say, you know, the history buffs will say that FDR instituted the minimum wage and said, quote, it should be a living wage. That was then. It's morphed, has it not? He, he, it was put in place to be a living wage, but it's completely morphed in, in all kinds of different varieties. Is that kind of where you are today? 
Yeah, I certainly don't know the, the historical aspect of, of uh, the, the minimum wage, but what I do know is that the free market works, uh, and it's working. And the, the minimum wage in, in our community and in our state is, is substantially higher than the, the state-imposed minimum wage that we've put in place. Uh, and I think you're going to continue to see that, um, you know, folks that are doing the job, folks that are, that are working, working hard and um, are, are showing up on time, uh, are going to be making more than, than any state-imposed minimum wage, and the free market will work. What do you say to those people who are making the minimum wage, who are struggling to make to, to try to make it, you know, f- are having to work two jobs at minimum wage? What do you say to those folks, uh, Representative Presley? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I think as, as we look at, at um, our jobs in our area, we need to do more to uh, increase uh, our skill sets, um, and we need to make sure that we're bringing in and creating an atmosphere in Louisiana uh, and a culture in Louisiana that, that allows for businesses to grow and thrive. Um, and as we do so, we're going to see the natural minimum wage continue to grow um, as more people are needed for those positions. Um, but but our, our community is, is one that is, is strong, um, and, and we need to, uh, you know, there, there are lots of jobs out there. If folks aren't happy with their with their current position, keep looking, um, keep doing the, the the things that are that are important to um, you know building that culture. Uh, be on time, work hard, um, you know, and 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 do what's right, and and you can continue to, to move up and continue to, to build your skill set to be able to have a higher higher paying wage. And, and basic economics dictates that if if a, an item costs more to produce, then that item is going to cost more to purchase. If 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 a business has to pay a higher rate, uh, a higher wage to to sell a hamburger, then that burger is going to cost more. Who's going to pay for that? You and I are. It, it it's it's not this altruistic gesture on the governor's behalf. It, it, that cost is going to be passed on to the consumer. That's absolutely right. And you're also going to see more and more um, automation in, in those lower-wage uh, positions to start with. So you won't have as many entry-level jobs, and it'll actually end up hurting uh, low-skill workers. Cato Institute has a, a great paper out uh, on that, for example, and, and the, the significant job loss that, that would likely come uh, with with increasing minimum wage to a, a standard that is, um, you know, already uh, we already know that inflation is is costing a lot to consumers, um, and inflating wages will continue to do that. That's a great point because you can go into Circle K now, and they've got scanners that you place your item on a counter, it mm-hmm. scans it, rings it up for you. Yep. You don't you don't even need the the cashier anymore. And I asked what the girls one time, I said, "Are you worried that, you know, they they're replacing you?" They didn't seem concerned at all about it. Um, grocery stores have mm-hmm. self-checkouts now. They, I had a robot bring me a burger at a restaurant the other day. They don't ask for a raise. The scanners <laughs> don't ask for vacation time and It sounds like medical. it might cost jobs, Thomas. That's what you're saying, huh? I, I think that's certainly a, a possibility. But, I mean, again, I think, you know, as we look at the, the current state of, of minimum wage, you know, the, the free market works and it's working. Um, we know that the jobs that are that are available now are, are starting higher than the state-imposed minimum wage. Gotcha. 
Thomas Presley, state representative. I know you got a lot of bills you're working on that uh, we'll be talking to you in the next few weeks as y'all get ready to get into session in April. Absolutely. Session starts April the 10th, and we are all gearing up. It's a fiscal year, so we're limited on the number of bills we have, but um, looking forward to, to going down and fighting and, and advocating for Northwest Louisiana. Thomas Presley, state rep, thank you so much for your time. Thank you all. Have a good one. 1017 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Um Caddo School Board member Jasmine Green hosting a meeting tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first. So it'll be Thursday, five thirty at the MLK Neighborhood Association. Um they're gonna talk about plans for the old Northside Elementary School. So if you're interested or you have concerns about what's gonna be used that school will be used for, um, that's again Thursday, five thirty at the MLK. Are there plans already for it, or are there I'm discussions, sh- or what sure. can we do with it? I'm not sure. We will perhaps reach out to Miss Green and get her to to come on the radio and talk about it. She's um, spearheading this community meeting and will be leading the you know the efforts to find out what's the best use. If there's a plan in place already. Uh, for that property um, it's a it's a whole historic property and we've had to repurpose a lot of our schools I mean we know the one that's gonna the, the Arthur Circle it's gonna be a, a school for dyslexia idea. students dyslexic students Dyslex- which and is it'll cool. pull from several parishes yes um, uh, basically from Alexandria up mm-hmm. which I think is a fantastic idea a- absolutely and and you know there are other schools that are vacant that they're looking for other uses for those schools as well as our population declines and we have fewer kids in public schools they they have downsized and i don't think there are any schools on the chopping block right now but um we have some that are empty that they're trying to to work with so and figure out a new use for those buildings so that that'll be interesting um mike yes we we had a brouhaha at the city council yesterday that nobody really is talking about and and i hazard to talk about it because i don't want to give uh, too much attention to this person because I just think sometimes it's just it's sad. If you give somebody enough time, their true colors yes come out. And I and I for many many years I had a lot of respect for James Green, a lot of respect. I thought he was very honorable and a very 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 good public servant. These last four years, as I have watched some of his shenanigans. My opinion has changed 100%. And he's a minister. He's supposed to be a man of God. And what I saw him do yesterday was nothing more than a bully and a power mongrel. And what he did to an older resident in our community from his pulpit up there as chairman of our city council was a disgrace. And I'm being really nice because I was watching it live and I thought this is absolutely beyond the pale if he wants to get up while a citizen is talking and that's being critical of him and leave the room go to the restroom fine but what he did to attack and bully an elderly woman who spoke to the council is a disgrace and my respect for this man it's lower than the toilet now. 
it was pretty low this in the last couple of years. It's now lower than the toilet. Mr. Green, Reverend Green, you're invited to our radio show any day. Pop in any day. You will get time on our radio station. I have left you numerous messages. You, you do not show up. You do not like my listeners. You do not like me. I had years of respect for you when you were on the council prior. Huge respect. You have trashed it. I'm sorry. No, I, 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 <sighs> I, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I, uh, I didn't want to get into it because I don't want to give the man any more attention than he needs. You follow me? And, and, the, and the, sad, the lady though. that you're talking about, one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. She's politically uh, community active. Mm-hmm. She ran for, for city council. Yeah. She's very respectful. Mm-hmm. She was not, I, she wasn't up in anybody's face. No. She was pointing out some issues that concerned her that he took offense to. And he went off on her, man. I mean, he really was a bully yesterday. It was sad. And we will, former councilwoman Lavette Fuller, I think, kind of feels like I do. I may be wrong, but but she's going to join us because she was a little incensed by it, too, I believe. And I want to hear from her. I want to hear what she thinks because she watched it. And um, I just don't think that's how our public servants should act. And shame on him. And shame on him for b- saying he's a man of God to behave like he did yesterday. It was sad. It really was. It was. It took our city council right into the gutter if it could go any further down. Well, I, sorry. No, I, 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 I agree. I agree with you. Mm. We'll find out what, uh, Le- with uh, Lavette Fuller coming up at seven forty with Mike and McCarty. One one. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty fireworks yesterday at the Shreveport City Council meeting. I, I wouldn't even say fireworks, just um uh, some uh, disrespect, some behavior uh, unbecoming of a public official. Yeah. And uh we've got a former city council member, Lavette Fuller, going to join us here coming up right after the break, and we'll talk about that next with Mike and McCarty. One oh one seven FM Oh, my. Oh, my. If I had been watching that live, Aaron. Oh, I was. I was. <laughs> 1017 FM 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, former Shreveport City Councilwoman Lavette Fuller joins us. Lavette, good morning. It's race week. Good morning. I'm just throwing I that did. out there. <laughs> First practice is at 530 on Friday. Okay, we got to get into council business, but did you watch any of the uh, testing last weekend? I kind of didn't. I've been kind of busy getting into this whole new career and everything, and so something had to go. Okay, let's get to the business at hand. Um, I was watching the council meeting yesterday, and we, we, most people listening may not know John Glover. I think she ran for school board. She asked to be appointed to the city council in the, the Alan Jackson seat, but was not selected. But she gets up and she comes to a lot of the council meetings and is critical and points out problems, issues. Yesterday, council chairman James Green went off on her, um, chastising her. I mean, how would you describe what he did? Um, I think they call it a dressing down. So, a dressing down. Like, he really just kind of, I mean, he went, he kind of went off on her, as the kids would say. 
Um, what I saw was someone taking full advantage of whatever authority they feel was in that gavel to demean a member of the public. That's a voter. That's a resident. That's a taxpayer. To demean uh, somebody who is paying your salary, to me, was way over the edge. Am I wrong? Well, listen, I think that this is sort of a culture that's been brewing for a long time, like even preceding my time on the council, where certain members of the council feel like there are characters less than humans that are getting in the way of what they feel is important. Um, there are people that don't want to hear from Mr. Sammy. There are people who just think that rabble-rousers don't deserve the same space time as people that they see as concerned citizens. But the truth is everyone deserves to be heard. Um, and that's a public forum. It's one of the few public forums we have that everyone should have access to. So I think that maybe a storm has been brewing for a while, and that level of entitlement among some public servants has just been kind of an undercurrent that is just now becoming more obvious. Um, yeah, without calling any names, there's mm. definitely been people that have, I mean, look, they've, we've changed the format of the meetings. It used to be that you could hear things that were germane to the agenda only on Mondays and then again in the Tuesday early comments. And then there was a later comment, public comment at the end of the meeting for people to just address whatever issues they had at the Tuesday meeting. Now you only get three minutes total on the Monday meeting to talk about things that are agenda and non-agenda items and only agenda items on the Tuesday meeting. What was the reason for making those changes? Mm. The first change was made because early on in our, um, early on in our council era, you know, four or five years ago, they just didn't want to have to hear from certain rabble rousers twice in a meeting. So they changed it. Mm. They didn't want to hear from the public twice in a meeting. So they changed it. They happened to change that when I was out on a surgery. I remember watching the meeting saying they know that if I was there, I would say something about yeah. it. Uh, we're kind of talking with uh, former councilwoman Lavette Fuller. Uh, Lavette, he made a comment during his, as you say, dressing down to John Glover, that uh, we are all elected officials up here. Well, I wonder if he knows what that means. I think he might have a different perspective on what being an elected official means. Uh, you can probably go back to several meetings when things come up, like one, changes to the agenda, um, changes to the time of council meetings. When we brought it up once that maybe we should try to change the time of council meetings or add extra meetings to deal with just awards and stuff because that would speed meetings up. And in those meetings, he have one thing to say about how this is the time that he's allotted to this. This is the only time that he's allotted to this. And other than that, I'm a dignitary that's here for cutting ribbons. And then when you, but wait, but fast forward to, oh, now we need this additional, um, we need this additional employee because we have a lot of really hard work to do. We need somebody to help us with it. So yeah, I think you're right, Mike. That kind of sums it up. Let me get a little history from you because I think Miss Glover. We're talking about John Glover, who was the who's a community activist who goes before the school board. He, he acted like she didn't go before anybody. She goes to all the meetings, folks. She goes to the commission meetings. She goes to the school board. She is a she's a busy busy Business woman. Business association yes, meetings. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but it's the joy of being semi-retired. Yeah. And you know what? 
we should all be so lucky to live that long and to have that kind of time on our hands. Boy, they don't want, want they don't want involved. me they don't want me retired <laughs> and I start showing up at these meetings. I'm telling you, I was so pissed yesterday. But let me let me say, John Glover's one of her main issues was that um, the former clerk of council who resigned abruptly was handpicked by Mr. Green, and he wanted to deny that. He wanted to say that th- that person was voted on by, yes, she was voted on by the council members, but isn't it true that he found her, he handpicked her, you guys didn't advertise for that position, this was the candidate he wanted? Is that accurate? I think that that pretty much sums up my perspective on it. If any other council members met with her, it wasn't publicly. Um, I'm quite sure that at least uh, Councilman Butcher and Councilman Nicholson and I never were introduced to her until she was presented at the meeting. We saw her uh, we saw her resume by email prior, but it wasn't even attached to the resume. Uh, I'm sorry to the agenda of the meeting where she was introduced. And then we voted on her with no other public option than me. It was not ever publicly um, presented. Or advertised for any other candidates, right? That's the word I'm looking for. I need more coffee. But that job was never advertised. And she was brought to us solo. And you'd have to get Councilman Butcher to corroborate this. But when he asked what we were going to do about selecting a new clerk, it was oh I've got somebody that we're gonna come we're gonna, I'm, I've got somebody that I'm talking to that will come present to you. Mm. That all happened off the book. I mean this is I mean I guess that amounts to hearsay, but that's the way that I recollect it. So Lovette, who does the the council chair answer to? <laughs> does anybody call him out on you know disrespectful behavior? I think that the best way to look at this is going to be in the rules um, for the council within the charter and how you select the chair, and if you're able to select the new chair midstream. I don't think that you have to keep the same chair for 12 months, and it might be that a certain number of council members can come forward and say, we want to nominate somebody else at six months and do that. I think that that would be probably the most formal way of addressing something like that, other than trying to sanction someone. I don't know if we have rules for sanctions, but I don't think that anyone actually calls him out. I think it would take, if there's someone in the community that he respects and regards that could come forward and say, Brother James, I think you need to simmer down, that might be what it takes. Um, but I don't know who those people are, but I don't think they exist on the council. Would you, he's would you? A, he, he presents himself as a selfish statesman. Yeah, and he's, he, and he's leading them by their noses, several of the council members. He's just telling them all what to do. When are they going to get tired of it and say, look, you were over the line, sir? I don't want to editorialize to that level, but you do kind of get the feeling that he was uh, he was um, nominated for the position at that first meeting after holding it for the last year. He does seem like he's doing a little bit more publicly as far as speaking with the media this year. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the undercurrent might be, what's happening off stage with that entire group, but he definitely seems to have an allegiance with at least three of the Democrats. Mm, yeah. Well, it was sad to watch. It It, it degraded. Was that diplomatic enough of me, Erin? Because I realize yeah. that you have me on a complete pot-stirring segment right now. I know, and, um, I, and, I, you know, and I know you probably are, are way more um, upset about it than you are showing, which I, I find... Well, I'll say this. I did write to Miss John. Miss John and I have like disagreed on things respectfully in the past, and I've definitely had my share of impatience with some of the 
some of the viewpoints that she takes, but it's always respectful. And at the end of the day, I appreciate and admire anyone that shows up as much as she does and asks genuine questions because they want answers. And they probably are asking questions that other people want answers to as well. And the thing is, when she comes in on a fact-finding mission, she rarely editorializes. Mm-hmm. She, she might sound... She might sound, he called her sound like somebody's grandma. And I joke about the aunties. I consider myself to be an auntie. But the thing is, in our world, an auntie or grandmother is an elder that we have regard and respect for. That's not someone who is talking down to us or admonishing us. That's someone who is purely trying to give guidance when guidance is necessary. Mm-hmm. So the idea, there's some misogyny, I feel, in the way that 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 term was being used yesterday is if we don't have regard for elder women in our community, the role they play, the experience they bring, and when they give us guidance, it's usually for good reason and we should actually be thankful that we're getting it. So yeah, I have a problem with that because it's the same person that said the reason that we needed to get an inexperienced recycler with only Alexis to her name was because she was a black woman and he wanted to support black women. Make it make sense. See, I was trying not to do that. Ooh, okay. <laughs> We're out of time. I'm so sorry. I wish we could let you go on. I can't thank no you. <laughs> I can't thank you. No. Uh, John Glover will be back at today's council meeting, I'm told, and probably will make more comments today. So well, I get, hope she keeps her head up and just does what she came there to do. Get your popcorn. Thanks. L- Lewis has a better card this year than he had last year. <laughs> Y'all so, stop so it. So it, it's going to be a good season. God willing and the creek don't rise, Mike. I'll thank, see you later. Thank you. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Thank you, Levette, for coming on, talking about uh, the Shreveport City Council Chairman James Green, uh, as she says, dressing down a citizen. I just got a text from a mover and shaker in town. Uh, it just says, "Damn, Levette, LOL." <laughs> No name shall be attached to that. <laughs> we do have some messages on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Uh, it's kind of, in fact, it's kind of blown up a little bit. But uh, it, some are saying, "What did what did James Green say?" And so uh, Aaron's got some of that audio. We we didn't have time to get the entire section. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get that ready for tomorrow. Yes, yes, and we'll play it. We'll play a section. We'll play a piece of it coming up after eight. After the uh, uh, yeah, eight o'clock news. Want to hear his little tirade? Part of it's coming up. Micah McCarty, one hundred one seven FM seven. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Now, if you're just if you're just joining us this morning, we've had discussion last hour uh, about the city council meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Doctor James Green was disrespectful. Doctor, Doctor, I'm sorry, James Green, Reverend James yeah. Green, was disrespectful to a citizen who brought up issues that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. And um, and we spoke with the former city councilwoman Lavette Fuller, um, who who aptly described it as a dressing down mm-hmm. to a, a citizen who was being respectful, was 
presenting her thoughts, which is our right as Shreveport citizens to do. There were a couple things, Aaron, that stuck out to me. One that he said, we allow you to come in here. Right. <laughs> like you own that building, sir. We allow you as a citizen to come in here. We allow you to serve, sir. And another comment that he made was, every one of us up here is elected. Well, you're exactly right. You were elected to serve, mm. not to dictate. I think he's got a really bad case of little man syndrome. I really do. And, and, I, and I hate to say that. That's rude. But, I mean, his, the power has just gone crazy to him. Well, and I had a lot of respect for Reverend Green when he was on the council prior. He was very sensible. He was compassionate. He was a good leader. He was a good motivator. You and, you and something's I something's happened. You and I both know John Glover, mm -hmm. the lady that uh, he was addressing. Um, you know her much better than I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gotten a chance to know her since I've been here. Very respectful, very yes. active. Mm -hmm. um, she she goes not only to city council meetings, she goes to business association meetings, yep. school board meetings. I mean, she's very active in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, very very well educated in in city happenings mm -hmm. um did not deserve to be talked to in this fashion and to be called a grandmother in a way that was degrading very degrading mm -hmm. and and she was really she came to to ask and and question how the the clerk of council was appointed previously how she thought it wasn't handled properly and that she hoped they would do it right this second time around and she pointed out that you know james green handpicked kendra joseph to be the clerk of council if you talk to all the council members almost every one of them will say yeah that was james green's wanted her and lobbied for her and they voted for her i don't think it was a unanimous vote i think uh perhaps butcher wasn't at the meeting or voted no i'm not sure if all seven voted but him for him to say all seven voted for her that's not accurate i think it was a 611 vote actually on kendra joseph um but then miss glover was finishing her comments and was wrapping up and then things just went south okay thank you excuse me thank you Wait a minute. Thank you. Being rude is not Ma'am, thank I'm done. Thank you. Oh, so you just get to be rude, and that's okay. Thank you. Let me explain thank something. You. No, don't explain. Yes, you just I will. did it. Take your seat. Let me explain this. For four years, this council has honored you. For the last four years, not a council member up here interrupt you. We allow you to come up and speak to us, if though you are grandmama. We've done that for four years. We have not said nothing. You come up here, you speak, you treat us like we some grandchildren of yours. Every time you come up here, you point your finger and you telling us this and you tell. We never interrupt you. But when you go back to your seat, when each of us talk, you make gestures, you, you talk out loud, you are very disrespectful, but you want respect, even now. I stood, sit here, listen to you, didn't make no gestures, didn't say nothing. But then when it comes to you, Ms. Glover, you always go back to your seat, I have to hit the hammer, then you'll say stuff, and then you'll turn your nose up, then you'll go over to Nita, and then you'll say something to her. 
that's very disrespectful. But when somebody say something to you, then you're like our grandmama. Then you want to say, y'all children don't have anything to say to me. Everybody up here was elected to do a job. Everybody up here does a good job. Well, that's up for interpretation. Boy, yeah, that's definitely. I just am disappointed. I'm disappointed to see a a, a leader in our community, a preacher, um, a man of God, treat a woman like that. He was nothing more to me than a bully. Am I wrong? I mean, I, well, from what I hear, it 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 it's, it was very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And 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 very sad. And I and I. I know Ms. Glover will be back at the meeting today, and I anticipate she will probably address the council again. And I understand the need for the leader to maintain control if a citizen is is out of control, if somebody's sure. you know being disruptive, which has happened, um, and and you have to maintain control. But this wasn't that wasn't the case. No, this no. was a citizen who has every right to express her opinion and mm -hmm. express her thoughts to the city council he said you uh, you you say you know call him out on this well that's what we're supposed to do absolutely when we disagree with things you have done and for him to say that kendra joseph you know wasn't his his pick or whatever um and that, that the council put her in office on a seven to nothing vote that wasn't a seven to nothing vote for one I'm told it was a 611 vote, I, I believe. I'll have to clarify. But it was the person he wanted in the office, and he convinced the other council members that she was right for the job. She obviously felt like things went south quick, and she resigned abruptly and told them they're acting like children and fighting. And, 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 and I mean, it's it's become more dysfunctional, and I'm almost in this community almost 40 years and it is more dysfunctional today than I have ever seen it. Well, in her resignation letter, talking about uh, Kendra, the city mm -hmm. clerk of council, she said that she was being uh, demeaned, undermined, and was treated with disrespect. Well, we can certainly see how that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And now, I, we weren't able to get the uh, the entire audio. We didn't have time to put it all together, but we're going to do that for tomorrow. Yes. We're going to have uh, uh, Mrs. Miss Glover's comments mm -hmm. and then his response. It, it's sad. It really is. It really is sad. And I and I'm I'm I think he owes her an apology. And I, you know what? He would be a really big man if today she got up to the podium and he said, I overreacted yesterday and I'm sorry. I would, you know, I, he would earn a little bit more respect in my view, but he's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. He may get up and leave the room when she speaks today. And you know what? I, if he does that, more power to you. It'd be better than what you did yesterday. I'm just, I'm just saddened that that's one of our community's leaders. Mm. That's one of our, he's president of our city council for crying out loud. Stay close. We'll keep you up to date. 1017 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty changing gears just a little bit crime um, 
a huge issue in Shreveport. We've we've up to I think fifteen homicides, mm-hmm. uh, which is on record setting pace. Yes, that for uh, for the year, and uh, Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault uh, addressed this at the council meeting yesterday. Thank mm-hmm. you, and uh, here's I speak to you with a heavy heart. Uh, I know the murders of the last few weeks burden your hearts and pound your brains, and they murder they burden me as well. As poet John Donne has said, any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. Any person's death in Shreveport diminishes each of us. My heart continues to hurt for our city, yet another shooting has left families in pain, sorrow, and frustration. And I am asking our citizens for help. If you know the people committing these acts of violence or who may be involved in the groups committing these acts of violence, Please make the necessary calls to the Shreveport Police Department or to Crime Stoppers. The only way we can stop this violence is to work together for families, communities, and this city. You've already seen some of the things that individual council members are doing, that the administration is doing, but we need citizen assistance if we're going to curb this rate of homicides in our city. We are one Shreveport. What affects one of us affects all of us. This is our city and we are better than this. In response to some of the things that, uh, that you asked of the chief, I will let you know that we are actively considering options for better retention and recruitment of police officers so that we can get some more police officers on the street with particular attention to transfers. Every one of these weighs heavily on all of our hearts and certainly very heavily on on you and the districts that are involved. And so you, you have my support and you have my sympathy. We are actively working on the problem. I wish there were an, an easy solution that I could announce to you today. All of you are working toward that and so are we and I appreciate what you're doing. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. You know, the other night we went to um the concert, I say concert, the show at Municipal Auditorium, which by the way, I love the Municipal Auditorium. So gorgeous. Nate Bargatze, comedian. He's got several specials on, on Netflix. He's got a uh, a new special out on Amazon Prime. Aaron He's clean, okay? First mm-hmm. of all, everybody knows this guy just, he's just, he even says, you know, I'm dumb. I talk about dumb things. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I do it in front of large people. Right. It seems to work out better that way. Um, he's just so much fun to, to listen to. But one of the things, I, I, I looked at Dina, I looked at my wife, and I said, look around to the rafters, the municipal auditorium packed there wasn't an oh, empty seat wow that's so cool when will when will i don't want to say the mainstream media but when will networks 
and and you know realize this is what people actually want right right it, it's not yes you can drop the f-bomb in comedy routines mm-hmm. and you can be insulting and you can be offensive Crude, sure yeah. you can and there is an audience for that mm-hmm. i'm not saying that people don't laugh or enjoy it but just because you can do something yeah look at look at some of the most successful comedians jeff foxworthy going back to jeff foxworthy oh definitely I mean, hilarious. Mm-hmm. He do, he doesn't do that. Nope. Um, uh, Jim Gaffigan, another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my gosh, Ruben, what's the guy's name? That uh, oh, I, I I can't even describe because he's carrot just a, top. I think. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. That's not it. No, that's not it. <laughs> oh. Not carrot top. Uh, uh, he he's he he did a most recent thing at Red Rocks and. Uh, he he let his hair kind of go gray hmm. one of his late anyway he's clean uh and and, and Nate Bargatze it, it's just refreshing and, and 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 I go back to what's the show that's been on the air for 50 years nonstop in one way or another the Andy Griffith show mhm every you know it's that's it's what i think clean humor the majority of people appreciate yeah there's a there's a, a special on uh, Fox Nation talking about the death of comedy and how wokeism, you know, comics don't want to say some of the things they're thinking, right? Because they're going somebody's going to get offended. There's there's a section of our population now that looks for things to get offended by. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about and, it. And and and. and you know and they make the point again they have the right to say that and and i'm not going to say don't do it mm-hmm. i don't have to listen to it right but i'm not going to go shut them down and go you can't say that yeah you have the right to say it and others have have the right to go if they want to go hear it mm-hmm. louis ck oh people got outraged oh, when gosh. when uh, uh, the comedy so- uh, comedy club let him back in after his you know his mm-hmm. his situation he went through right um and people were protesting well if somebody wants to pay their 25 30 or 40 whatever tickets are to go hear him it's not my place to say you can't do that yeah if they want to have him back and they think they can have a crowd sure. i'm not a fan but you know people want to go see him that's your your money your business so but the point of the of the special was talking about when you shut down comedy and look at late night television now oh gosh oh remember johnny carson and yeah oh my gosh don rickles and 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 uh, oh i got no respect yeah uh, uh, i'm <laughs> Ronnie danger thank you yes. thank you reuben and brian regan was the other guy you were thank you yeah. yes yeah. brian regan thank you i don't know how you got that out of what i said but i, <laughs> I don't either kudos <laughs> to you love brian regan yeah um but you you could say things like that right you know, and that was those were funny look at late night now oh it's trash jimmy kimmel and and um fallon uh, well and not even fallon as much as the other guy uh craig ferguson for no oh oh my lord i'm going blank <laughs> you're having a senior moment i am craig, having the, a guy, senior. the guy from snl right craig something no no no, no, no it's not uh, craig it's the other guy who was gleefully laughing when they raided mar-a-lago, mar-a-lago. Uh, yeah i'm 
I know we got to take it's a too break. Much. It's too it's, much. It's, it's not comedy anymore. It's Mm-mm. just left wing politics. Yeah. Any, anyway, it's a, it was an interesting special. Nate Bargatze, if you get a chance, look him up. You're gonna love him. I guarantee you. Mike McCarty, one hundred one seven. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty. Stephen Colbert is who I was trying to think of. Late uh, night, late yeah. night comedy is not late night comedy anymore. No, it's trash. Um, even Letterman. Letterman used to be. He started out. He was. He he knew to stay in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. You never knew where Johnny Carson stood politically. No, no, it was just he fun. was brilliant. It was funny and fun, and that's the way you wanted it. It wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't what it was about. Right. Don't preach to me at night. I want to go to bed. But even Letterman, toward the end of his his career, he started going. You know, drifting farther to the left and letting you know what he really thought. Mm-hmm. And and I think it affected him. But. Um, Anyway, yeah, Colbert is who I was trying to think of a moment ago. <laughs> Forgettable person. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk about crawfish, baby. Yeah, you were looking at, the, the, we're getting into the heart of the season now. It's, we're it's, starting. it's officially underway now, kind of the uh, after, you know, the beginning of Lent. Uh, spring kicks off crawfish season, and uh, the prices, remember they started when we first started talking about what were they like? Nine, ten, ten bucks a ten pound. Ten bucks a pound early on. And and they were very small, and we were like, no, no, oh, wait, no. But um, according to the Crawfish app, uh, they have steadied, you know, they've dropped mm-hmm. crawfish. And, and traditionally, every year, uh, the, the further you get into the season, the bigger they become. You bet. And the prices drop. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we are now. They're not they're not huge yet, but uh, you're you're looking at about six bucks a pound boiled okay at you know at places uh that's still high we're gonna get it'll get under four under four eventually as we get closer into we get closer to mud bug madness in may the prices drop considerably and so so mud bug madness isn't until may yeah memorial day weekend that's the end of may so yeah we got a little ways to wait before we get into the real heart of the season and they're also saying you know it's already warm and and the, they're saying that this warm weather is actually good for the crawfish growers and okay. you know good for the season so we should be seeing uh, the bigger bugs yeah even a little bit earlier i feel guilty because i bought some crawfish tails the other day to make my my etouffee and i know they're probably they say this is embarrassing they say boudreaux's crawfish but when you look on the thing it's from china Oh, I Aaron. feel terrible. I, I couldn't find any from Louisiana. Already I, pre-peeled. I can't do it. And, and if you go to the buffets and they have crawfish on the buffet, usually uh, at Chinese restaurants. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I can't it's, do it. It's it's not Louisiana crawfish. It's nope. not the same. But it, you know, I was making etouffee. I thought, oh, this will be fine. It'll be all right. But I just, uh, I ha- I want to try to buy Louisiana goods. Absolutely. And, you know, that's my hope. So, um, it's a it's a big deal for me and i felt bad buying them but you know i wanted my crawfish so i did what i had to do well that's it you know i'm the same way about amazon Mm -hmm. you know i want to shop local and do yes and do um Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm an amazon prime member yeah you know absolutely i I hate to see it i shop there when i when i can't find something local or or i need something you know that I, i don't want to go out and 
hunt for, mm-hmm. I know I can find it right there on Amazon, and I can have it shipped. And well, it'll be going there in out two in days. public is hard for you. You hey, get mobbed wherever you are. Stop! And have to not sign true. autographs, that's and you, people want to take pictures with you. I wear a wig, so no one will recognize me. <laughs> Please. Tomorrow, by the way, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, speaking of buying Louisiana food, hits his regular Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month, and uh, we'll chat with him tomorrow morning at 710. Now, he's, we have Alan Jackson scheduled, Dr. Alan Jackson, tomorrow. He's, he's planning to come in. I'm trying to get him to come in at 740, because um, we're going to have a vote today, probably on the, uh, what is it, the Director of Council Marital Affairs? Yes. Okay. The position. Uh, by the way, after all of that at City Council, was there ever a proposal for a new clerk of council? Did, I, did I, I didn't James, watch the whole meeting, so I, I, I still have to because finish Because we know it. He's, there's somebody in mind. Yeah, two of the people that were have applied for Director of Council Affairs took their names out of consideration, and there's a lot of talk that Shanerica Fleming could be considered for a clerk of council. I don't know if that process is going to be opened up to anybody or if uh, Council Chairman Green's going to handpick somebody again and convince his, you know, the, the fellow council members need to stand up and go, this is not how we should do it. We should do it right. Sorry, Open Reverend applications, Green. Yes. A, a public process. Let's see who the best people are and let's see what happens. Especially and, for that position. Yes, absolutely. Because that person really has to make sure that that council office runs smoothly and they got to make sure they get the right person. And I'm just saying there there have been a lot of the criticisms of other people they've considered. And just please just do it right. Just do it right. That's all we're asking. There's been an issue with transparency. We need to change that. Mm-hmm. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. Between a boy and man. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. There's a story on Keel News about hummingbirds. Did you see this? I, I didn't read it, but I looked at I looked at it briefly. What, what are we doing to hummingbirds? Well, they're putting honey in hummingbird feeders, thinking well, that natural honey, you know, was fine. It turns out that uh, honey in a hummingbird feeder could kill a hummingbird really apparently so didn't realize that uh there's a they say that you only should use plain white sugar i love hummingbirds by the way i Mm -hmm. think they're fascinating and you put sugar in their feeders it said the hummingbird is unable to retract her tongue due to fungal spores that have germinated on her tongue or her gullet caused by folks mixing honey or anything other than plain white sugar with water, and that will kill it because it can no longer feed. Why do we need plain white sugar, though? Why so do hummingbirds... Please, because I guess it dissolves better, and ah. there are no fungal spores like could be possible in honey. Like locally grown honey, they say is good for us. Yeah. Because it helps with allergies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, not for hummingbirds in a hummingbird feeder. I did not realize huh. that. Maybe somebody in the message boards will know. I used to know a lady who used to put margarita mix in her, uh, non-alcoholic, of course, sure, in her right. hummingbird the, feeder. The, Don't get the hummingbirds drunk, please. No. But, but, but I think, I mean, that's she really used just, that as yeah. opposed to the, the, the sugar the water, I guess. Sugar, yeah. yeah. I just don't get the sugar water. Why don't we just give them hummingbird feed? Well, that's what they, I, I'm, I don't know. 
I, I'm, I'm about to say something like I'm this expert. I'm not, but the the, the sugar is what feeds, you know, mm-hmm. fuels them. Yeah, I, I, we have a, we have a um, a dive bombing hummingbird at my house, and I think he likes to dive bomb Bo. When Bo is outside, really a hummingbird. Now I've seen yes. mockingbirds do that. And this hummingbird's kind of—I think he's crazy. I think he's off his meds <laughs> because if Bo snatches you, it's one bite. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a hummingbird. He's a big dog. But he's and not this, gonna catch a hummingbird. He's not gonna catch a humming. He caught a raccoon the other night, though. Well, yeah. He caught a raccoon. It was like, oh, that I, ain't a hummingbird. No, though. and that raccoon was like a feast. I think. No, we we ended up getting it away. But he's he's getting really good at catching like squirrels and and raccoons and all. But hummingbird is driving him nuts. Okay, plain white sugar and water mixture is most similar to similar to actual flower nectar. And no red color liquids, which are toxic, such as Kool-Aid. Okay. You don't have to make it red. The feeder was usually red. You don't have to make the liquid red. Who knew all that? I did not know people were feeding their hummingbirds People have stayed up night wondering about this, so I had to clarify this. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for doing that. We're sick about hummingbirds. We got a big show tomorrow. We got the Lieutenant Governor. Uh, We have uh, Dr. Alan Jackson scheduled. And we're going to play more of the James Green tirade at the city council. We'll we'll also play some of uh, Mrs. Miss Glover's comments that set him off. Yes, we will play that too. So you can hear the whole thing. And uh, you you be the judge of did he go too far or was he right to chastise her? Call her grandma. Oh, man. Well, she is a grandma. She's proud to be a grandma, but he acted like she was treating them like her grandchildren. He was being disrespectful. Oh, he absolutely was. No doubt about it. Hear more of that tomorrow. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Key.